0: we need to do better collectively to stop these exposure events from happening
1: new developments in the back to school plan how masks could be mandatory in some areas the first
2: day of drinking in public
1: i think it's a great idea i think it's long overdue
2: the plazas where you can sip it without fear of a ticket
1: it's a series winner and a canucks playoff payoff
3: in an environment where about 50 percent of bars and restaurants are not operating properly right now that's
4: really good news
1: how local Will help you celebrate safely.
4: You're watching Global BC.
2: This is Global News Hour at six. Good evening and thanks for joining us. New developments in the return to school plan in just a moment. But first, let's get to the new COVID-19 numbers for B.C.
1: And today's update from health officials includes three reporting periods Friday to Saturday, Saturday to Sunday and Sunday through to this morning. We have 131 new cases for those three days. That brings our total to 4,065. No new deaths, so that number holds at 195. Nine people are in hospital, three of them in the ICU. 3,425 people are considered fully recovered, leaving us with 445 active cases. And 1,765 people are currently in isolation.
2: One of the biggest tests in the coming weeks will be the return to school in September. And we're now hearing masks are going to play a significant role.
1: Dr. Henry has maintained mandatory masks aren't necessary yet. But as Richard Zussman reports, it appears BC may be updating its policy.
5: It's the big question around BC's return to school. To mask or not to mask?
6: masks are going to play a significant role come September.
5: Education Minister Rob Fleming providing clarity Monday and providing comfort to BC parents calling on masks in
6: schools. We have required certain situations and we may, as I said, uh, look to uh, update our mask policy uh, based on the uh, advice and working with uh, our provincial health office. The province is purchasing
5: millions of masks to provide staff, students and teachers. According to a recent Leger poll, across the country, 60% of parents support masks in school where distancing is not possible. Nowhere is it higher than B.C. with 73%.
7: I think high school kids, it should be like a choice, but with younger kids, it should be definitely mandatory.
6: It doesn't matter to us either way. If they're mandatory or not, the kids, we still want them to go to school regardless.
5: The full plan around masks will be out soon the advice will be wear a mask where distancing is not possible but not for kids inside the classroom.
0: They are the, the point, uh, the end of our hierarchy of controls. The layers that we need, the most the least effective of the layers that we need. Dr. Bonnie Henry acknowledging Monday the confusion around the plan to put students in learning groups
5: and whether physical distancing will even be possible. Henry pointing to removing
0: extra furniture in classrooms and staggering the beginning and ends of days to limit flow in hallways. Some people believe that means they're going to have close contact with 60 people every day, which is not the concept at all. The BC Liberals say parents need more clarity
3: what is this going to look like? Uh, You know, what are the protocols that are going to be in place? Is it going to be safe uh, for my child to be there?
5: The start of school may also be pushed back. Fleming says teachers and administrators will be back in school September 8th, but students may be slowly phased back in. Exact details on that will come in the next week or so. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: All right, Keith Baldry joins us live now with more on what this will look like when school starts in September. Keith?
8: Yeah, I don't think there's any question. You're going to see a lot of this. I think almost everyone in school will be wearing a mask over the age of grade four. But the school is going to look completely different than it looked in June and how it looked for so much of our lives. We go back to January, February. It's not going to be the same. All the kids aren't going to be in place all at once. But there's a lot of confusion out there. And I think people are anxious to see the details. And we should get those by August 26th. And that should calm the waters at least a little bit.
1: A lot of parents and teachers are going to want to hear about that. August 26th, Mm -hmm. mark it on your calendar. Okay, Keith, uh, Dr. Henry also said, spoke today about contact tracing and evidence of how well it's working.
8: Yeah, you quoted a number there for the first time, I think, at the very bottom of those statistics. How many people are in self-isolation? 7, 1,765 people, uh, biggest number ever. And that's as a result of contract t- tracing. There's hundreds of people on Dr. Bonnie Henry's team that are phoning people when they get infected, tracing their movement and finding out who they've exposed the virus to. And that number of ex- expositions continues to grow daily. And Dr. Henry explains why this process is so important.
0: Uh, The vast majority of the people who tested positive over the past three days were people who were on our contact list, who were amongst the 1,500, 1,700 people who are in active daily follow-up. And that means that as they developed their illness, they were isolated and they no longer exposed others, breaking those chains of transmission. This is incredibly important because this is how we know we can manage um, with the cases that we're seeing here in British Columbia.
1: All right, and just quickly, uh, Keith, Dr. Henry is well-known for being kind and being calm, but we heard a little bit of trash-talking Bonnie Henry style when it comes to hockey today.
8: Yeah, I asked her a question about whether she's concerned now that the Canucks are in the playoffs, are going to be overcrowded bars, are people are going to follow the rules? And she's a well-known hockey fan, and she throws a bit of shade at a particular team here.
0: I was very happy to see the Canucks, and just um, lamenting to my colleagues who are Leafs fans, sorry. Um, But you know what? This is the year where we can celebrate the Canucks with our close friends.
8: So obviously a Canucks fan and not a Leafs fan, Dr. Bonnie Henry. Uh, A reminder, the next briefing will be on Thursday. Sophie, keep an eye on those daily cases. They've
2: been averaging 40 or 50 or so. Hopefully it doesn't go any higher than that.
1: Absolutely. All right. Thanks for that, Keith.
2: That was the nicest burn ever delivered against the Leafs. All right, the return of the NHL and the Vancouver Canucks winning ways are providing an unexpected summer boost to business at sports bars around B.C. The team advancing into the playoffs is expected to fill a lot of seats at those establishments. And while that's good news for the businesses, patrons are going to have to get used to some new rules. Ted Chernecki reports.
4: (laughs) To call it Canuck fever during a pandemic, well, that would just be wrong. But it's been nine long years since this team won a playoff series, and fans are pumped. So get jersey dressed, head to the local sports bar, but prepare for a very different experience.
9: We have decided to go with our touchless QR codes and you scan your phone over the bar there and then all of our menus come up. So it saves us from having to print paper constantly because everything has to only be one use.
4: In the old days, five months ago, this was a packed sports bar. Now social distancing rules apply. So packed is half capacity or less. And the big question will be how to control a frenzied crowd during the heat of the game. I want British Columbians to know it is totally safe to go out and have as much fun as you want at those establishments. You're just going to have to be doing it in smaller groups. Make no mistake about it, the return of any sports to the big screen is a shot in the arm for sports bars. A couple of months ago there was nothing live on TV and now we have the Young Canucks up against the Stanley Cup champs starting Wednesday. Are you making my phone? On social media they're now called COVIDiots. It just takes one. So how is a sports bar going to screen customers? There's a reason the premier called people out on this, right? You just need to stop.
0: Bars and restaurants have restrictions in place for the protection of all of us. They will be, I am sure, looking at how they can safely maximize small groups of people in in those settings to celebrate if if and when the Canucks keep going. Um, But let's do it together. Let's do it with our best friends in a small group.
4: In pre-pandemic times, a long run in the playoffs for the Canucks would mean a 25% increase in revenue. Now, as long as there's live hockey, sports bars can expect a much lower boost in business, but still a boost that could last into October. Finally, something to cheer about. Ted Srinaki, Global News.
1: Well, as of today, the open consumption of alcohol has become legal in four public plazas around Vancouver. Public drinking is now allowed in the North Plaza of the Vancouver Art Gallery, a section of Butte near Robson Street, the temporary public plaza at 17th Avenue near Camby, and at Lot 19 near the Convention Centre. Those four locations are part of a city pilot project scheduled to last until the second week of October. It's designed to help area businesses hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic.
6: We think it's an important part of the COVID-19 recovery. We have a number of restaurants that are nearby that do have the ability to sell alcohol off-site. And uh, we're hoping that people will buy a, a meal there, buy some liquor as well. And it's not a requirement either. People can come and bring their own booze.
1: A similar plan by the Vancouver Park Board to allow drinking at some parks and beaches has stalled, though, as the Park Board says changes to existing provincial legislation must be made first.
2: Homicide investigators say one body has been found at the scene of a weekend house fire in Mission. The integrated homicide investigation team remains at the burned-out rural property on Gunn Avenue. The early Saturday morning fire that destroyed a wood frame building was initially considered suspicious and arson is now suspected. Police say the one body found so far has not been identified. And a 47-year-old man has now been charged in connection with the death of a woman in early June. Just after 3 a.m. on June 2nd, Surrey RCMP received a report of an unconscious woman at a home near 138th Street and 108 Avenue. 40-year-old Carly Mae Dixon was rushed to hospital with serious injuries, but later died. 47-year-old Duncan Ryan McNabb, McCab, sorry, has now been charged with manslaughter.
1: An investigation has been launched into a disturbing incident involving the Abbotsford police. It began when an officer allegedly pulled their gun on a man and then erased cell phone video of the incident. Aaron MacArthur reports.
9: One of these
10: officers deleted my That's phone. One that deleted. This is the only evidence of Navdeep Thandy's arrest earlier this summer. That's embarrassing, man. You got just so embarrassing. Holy f**k. A brief confrontation with the officers who detained him and then deleted the video on his phone of what happened. Losers. Mid-June, Thandy was at work on a night shift near the Abbotsford airport. He says he was walking between buildings when he turned off his headphones to find an Abbotsford police officer pointing a gun at him. And uh, then I heard, stop, Abbotsford police. Next thing you know, I could just see your hands shaking like really bad. So I, I freaked out. The Abbotsford police claim there were reports of a break-and-answer call that night. You know, I had my hairnet on, my beard net on, and I was, you know, at work. So I didn't think anything was going to go wrong. Before he was taken into custody, he says he recorded what happened next. The undercover, she, she kicked it away with her foot, and I told her not to you know why is she kicking my phone. And then the fatter gentleman, um, the officer in uniform, um, pretty much stomped on and kicked it against the wall. When the officers finally sorted out he really did work at the facility, they returned his phone, but the images were gone. The Abbotsford Police Department has admitted procedures weren't followed. In a statement, says the officer who initiated the arrest immediately advised their supervisor that she had deleted the video. A supervisor has already met with Thandi, and the APD says it notified the Office of the Police Complaints Commissioner An investigation has been launched into the officer's conduct. Then he says this isn't his first negative encounter with the APD, and he wants the public to know what happened and to be cautious when faced with a situation involving Abbotsford's
2: officers. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Surrey RCMP are warning the public after a spike in personal robberies. Second quarter police statistics for 2020 show an 83% increase and a 47% increase in robberies so far this year over 2019. Police say they are seeing an uptick in personal robberies involving online marketplace apps like Let Go and Craigslist. Thieves are also targeting people walking alone or distracted by their phones in crimes of opportunity. So far, charges have been laid or recommended in just over a quarter of robbery investigations.
7: It's very easy these days to you know, have your head down and be looking at your device. But it's really important to be aware of your surroundings so that you can um, see what's going on around you. It's always a good idea to only leave your house with the items that you need. So if you, if you don't need um, a high-value item with you, then, then don't take it with you.
1: It's been one year since 14-year-old Carson Kremeni died of a drug overdose near a Langley skate park as others stood by and filmed the teen's final moments in distress. Police forwarded a report to Crown Council, but still no charges. As Ruminadea reports, Kremeni's family is hopeful someone will be held accountable in his death. A
7: small vigil to remember and honor a lost son. The punishing pain never dulls.
11: I wouldn't say it's gotten any easier at all. Try to keep yourself distracted on other things so your mind doesn't wander too much and get into too dark of a place. But yeah, no, it definitely hasn't gotten easier.
7: A year after Carson Cremeni's death, the teen's father is still waiting to hear whether criminal charges will be laid.
11: Yeah, it's frustrating. It's been a year. We haven't heard any real news yet. We're still hopeful.
7: (laughs) (laughs) They laughed, they stood by, they filmed it, and then posted Kremeni's last moments alive online. What did you say your name was? Uh, <laughs> the 14-year-old died alone of a drug overdose near Langley Skate Park.
11: I asked the police if during their course of investigation if any of these ones that it gave them the drugs, if they'd shown any signs of remorse whatsoever. Uh, the police couldn't answer my question. All they did is they paused and said they feel bad that they might get in trouble.
7: The RCMP file, roughly 2,000 pages, went to Crown Council in December, says Kremeni. The BC Prosecution Service tells Global News, because the case is under charge assessment, no details can be shared.
11: His death wasn't an accident. I mean, these people belong behind bars and it's... I mean, if if it doesn't end up being that way, something's desperately wrong with the system, right?
7: 62,000 strong and counting. A petition calling for criminal charges to be laid is still gathering support.
11: If charges are laid, I think that'll create awareness more than anything. Um, Let people know that, yes, you can't get away with this. You know what I mean? This is not something that's acceptable. It's not something that we accept as a
2: society. And you will be punished.
7: Romina Dea, Global
2: News. Evidence COVID-19 is causing a shift in residential real estate. Proof that the work-from-home mandate is inspiring a migration away from urban centers. Where people are choosing to live instead in just over a minute.
1: An unsettling moment at the White House that put the daily briefing on hold. That's later on the News Hour.
2: Also tonight, what the man in charge of the Wuhan lab says about the rumors that a COVID leak started the pandemic.
1: Right now, though, the Fraser Valley is seeing a surge in home sales, according to July's real estate data, while downtown Vancouver condo sales are going through a significant drop.
2: Katherine Urquhart has more on the single-family home frenzy east of the city and how it might be linked to the pandemic.
12: Condos have been king in Vancouver for years, but new numbers show some people are exiting downtown living for the burbs, specifically the Fraser Valley.
13: I think it's just like a covid trend uh it seems to be happening people kind of selling you know the downtown city life
12: statistics from the real estate board of greater vancouver show downtown vancouver condo sales in july were down 18% compared to the same time last year but house sales in the fraser valley are up way up by 56% compared to last july
13: people feel like they're not going to have to go into the office for the foreseeable future and if they do have to go back that they feel like they don't have to go back as often. If I only have to commute to the office two or three times a week when, when things do return to a more of a normal situation, that's something that I can handle. If I get uh, you know a bigger property, more space for the backyard for you know a little bit cheaper, then I think that's becoming more attractive
12: to people. Also impacting the market, super low interest rates and the desire for more social distancing, which can be challenging in a condo tower. But... The ability to work from home is believed to be the driving force.
13: You see a lot of of the large tech companies, the Googles, the Apples, the Twitters, uh, basically telling their employees they can work uh, from home well into next year. Twitter even saying that it's a permanent option uh, for their team members if they want it.
12: Working from home usually requires a quality computer, a good internet connection and decent web camera. But typically, that's about it.
13: I think we will start seeing a migration uh, from some of the urban areas into the, uh, the cheaper, uh, lower cost-of-living uh, suburbs and uh, little towns uh, as well.
12: Greater Vancouver suburbs, now hotter than condos, at least for now. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
2: Coming up, the victim of a fire and then a burglary.
12: There was blank spots where I knew stuff had been...
2: How thieves moved in when firefighters left and what she thought she lost forever.
12: And an upcoming
1: auction will be quite the spectacle with Gandhi's long lost glasses crossing the block.
14: Once again, above Highway 1 in Coquitlam, where crews have just left the scene of a rollover crash. It was just near King Edward. All lanes are once again open, but as you can see, traffic is still barely moving here. Eastbound on Highway 1 through Coquitlam, it's in full-on recovery mode now, right from the Burnaby Lake stretch. Sussex Insurance has all-plan offices inside Walmarts and real Canadian superstores throughout B.C. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com, open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global 1, high above Highway 1 in Coquitlam.
1: The past few weeks have been one nightmare scenario piled on top of another for one Langley woman.
2: Back in June, Michelle Buchan's condo building was badly damaged in a fire. And then, when she was finally allowed back in to salvage what she could, she found someone had already broken in and looted her unit. Grace Key reports. (laughs)
15: just when Michelle Bucken thought things couldn't get any worse after losing almost everything in this Langley fire another blow came a few days later when she discovered someone had rifled through her things and her parents wedding rings were missing
12: it's priceless yeah it's priceless so so it's just it's just sad i just don't understand it i don't i don't know I mean, the rest of the stuff makes me sad. Everything that I lost makes me sad. And then this was just the kicker.
15: While the building sat empty, a thief got into at least two units, taking off with Michelle's lamp, an old iPod, and a wooden chest that was a Mother's Day gift. Luckily, the restoration company located her parents' rings behind a cabinet. Michelle has no idea how they got there, wondering if the thieves dropped the rings.
12: It's devastating. It's you've already I've already lost everything, and I you know, I'm okay, my dog's okay, like, I mean, she was trapped in there for four hours, but, like, we're okay, but that kind of settles in, and then you start to grieve the loss of everything else, and this is just, it's just a kick in the pants, like, it's just, it's, it's, you're violated.
15: Michelle had a happy reunion with her dog Mila after it was trapped in the burning apartment for hours. They've both now found a new place to live. Grace Key, Global News.
2: And now a phenomenon locals have suspected for decades and now new numbers are proof a significant portion of Victoria's homeless recently arrived in the city from somewhere else.
1: But those newcomers might have to wait to get government assistance after city council passed a motion prioritizing those who've been in Victoria for a year or more. Brad McLeod reports.
13: Victoria's given up hotel rooms. Come on down to Victoria. Get yourself a room. Forty-one-year-old Victoria-born Jamal Ali Johnson is homeless. He understands why hundreds of unhoused come to the capital each year: ample sun and social services. The people who I grew up with since kids, you know, who how can we how can we don't how can we can't get a room? Despite the province's efforts to purchase and fill multiple hotels in the city, Jamal and many others are still homeless. But the the mayor just gave residents a jump in
14: the queue for help. Basically to prioritize people for housing who've lived in our region for a year or more. And it passed unanimously at the council table.
13: Saying she did it because the majority of unhoused are local. Something several officials focus on.
14: We look at the data that we compile from our point to time count. The majority of the individuals are from their home community.
13: But that minority of people moving here really starts to add up. In the last three point in time, homeless count, anywhere from 12 to 28% of people said they had been here less than a year. So, in just those three years, that's 829 new arrivals looking for help. That's more than half of the 1,523 in the current count.
14: And if you're homeless in Vancouver or homeless in Nanaimo or, you know, homeless in Calgary, uh, seek services there because we're going to be prioritizing people who have who, been here for, for a while.
13: Jamal says he is at a low with his drug and alcohol dependence and isn't optimistic he'll see change soon enough, even with the preferential treatment. I guess, I guess better late than overdose. <laughs> Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria.
1: Still ahead, could COVID cancel the U.S. college football season? All that's at stake in the U.S. with fear of a summer surge in cases. But first, unprecedented
2: access to the Wuhan lab that studies the world's most infectious diseases.
14: is out over here at the Massey Tunnel this evening, but do keep in mind there are some overnight lane closures for maintenance. You'll find delays between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. and a single lane in both directions between Richmond and Delta on at the Massey Tunnel. Kermac Collision and Auto Glass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermak. For location information, visit Kermak.com. I'm Trish Jewison and Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
1: Lebanon's prime minister has announced the mass resignation of his government as protests grip Beirut.
2: The demonstrators want an independent investigation into last week's deadly explosion, but that seems to be one of the biggest hurdles.
16: Lebanon is red with rage as demonstrators battled security forces near parliament. Over the weekend, protesters took to the streets of Beirut demanding accountability for Tuesday's deadly explosion. It's uncertain what exactly sparked the massive blast that has now killed more than 200 people. But for many, there's no question where to hang the blame.
0: Politicians, the corruption, they've been here since the Civil War. We don't care about the people. We want them all out.
16: The pressure was strong enough to push out the entire cabinet and the prime minister who announced the mass resignations Monday night. He said the explosion was the result of widespread corruption. But Lebanon's president is standing firm and ruling out any international investigation. At a donors conference, French President Emmanuel Macron pushed back, calling for an impartial, credible and independent inquiry. Dois... He told world leaders the Lebanese authorities now have to put in place the political and economic reforms, which will allow the international community to act side by side with Lebanon in its reconstruction. Macron helped raise roughly $300 million, including $15 million so far from the U.S. We've had three major planes
17: already over with uh, a lot of medical, mostly medical equipment.
16: But most aid comes with strings attached. There won't be any blank checks. The country may be able to clean its streets, but cleaning its politics will be a bigger challenge. Ian Lee, CBS News, London.
1: Hong Kong police arrested media tycoon Jimmy Lai and raided the publisher's headquarters in the highest profile use yet. Of a new national security law Beijing imposed on the city in June. The 71 year old owns the popular tabloid Apple Daily and is an outspoken pro democracy figure in Hong Kong who regularly criticizes China's authoritarian rule and Hong Kong's government. An executive of Lai's media group said he was being arrested for collusion with foreign powers. Hong Kong police have said so far, seven people between the ages of 39 and 72 have been arrested on suspicion of violating this new security law.
2: Some tense moments today during a White House briefing. Secret Service hustles President Trump out of the room. Turns out there was a security threat outside the building. A man with a weapon was apparently shot by police and the briefing resumed within minutes. There's even more alarm as the U.S. hits 5 million confirmed COVID-19 cases, the highest by far of any country. And the news comes after a weekend of more large public gatherings.
3: These are among the reasons why health officials say the U.S. has now surpassed 5 million confirmed COVID cases. Another summer weekend of mass gatherings. From house parties to church services, authorities say some are tempting fate. In Portland, Oregon, hundreds gathered to openly defy state orders on public. Ah, in southern california it nearly came to blows after one pastor opened his doors for a service despite the protest outside to shut it down
4: god gave us these rights
3: the bitter battle over crowds and the pandemic comes as the ncaa struggles over whether to punt on this year's college football season with several outlets reporting the Big Ten Conference is moving to pass on plane, the Mid-American Conference is delaying its season until spring 2021 amid a push to get on the field with the hashtag WeWantToPlay. Tomorrow, the Pac-12, which includes USC, is expected to decide their future. Here in California, football practice that was scheduled to start next week won't. The state has a ban on all large public gatherings And that includes at football stadiums. College football is a $7 billion business. But now amid the pandemic, any shot at a true season may be a Hail Mary. While 22 states are seeing a decrease in COVID cases, there is concern sanctioned events like this motorcycle rally could become super spreaders.
16: I
4: haven't even seen that many people with masks on up here.
3: Considered the largest public gathering since the pandemic began, thousands are rolling through Sturgis, South Dakota, where masks are suggested, not required. just selfish and uh, it's unfortunate. Tonight, the fine line between personal choice and public safety amid the pandemic. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Los Angeles.
1: Actor Antonio Banderas says he has tested positive for COVID-19 today on his 60th birthday. Banderas tweeted about it in Spanish this morning, along with a photo of himself as a child. He says he's, quote, feeling relatively well, just a bit more tired than usual, and confident that I will recover as soon as possible. Banderas has been in more than 100 films in his career, earning an Oscar nomination for Pain and Glory.
2: In Health Matters tonight, a rare look inside the virology lab in Wuhan, China at the center of international controversy.
1: The facility has been the focus of intense speculation about the coronavirus. Tonight, what scientists working there say
18: about the politics and their research. The high security lab inside the Wuhan Institute of Virology at the center of a political storm over how the pandemic started.
17: I'm confident there's no need. Hundred percent.
18: Hundred percent. Yuan zhe Ming is the lab's director. NBC News was granted the first independent media access. While there's some skepticism about the lab's claims, five leading virologists familiar with lab protocols told us it's improbable that the virus was made or escaped. The lab itself is a box within a box with airlocks and high security. Technicians in positive pressure suits were trained in France and the US. I also want to know how the virus got to the market or Wuhan, he says. Up to now, there is no clear answer.
2: The China virus, the China plague. Kung flu.
18: Amid accusations, China's government downplayed the severity of the outbreak here. The U.S. and China have been locked in a battle over the origin of the virus.
8: There's evidence that it came from the laboratory.
18: U.S. officials have offered no credible evidence linking the virus to the
9: lab. It is unfortunate that... We have been targeted as a scapegoat. China faces global backlash for
18: failing to contain the outbreak early on and for a lack of transparency as it spread. Scrutiny of the lab was fueled by a State Department cable from U.S. officials in January 2018 about safety and a shortage of trained staff. Lab officials claim U.S. diplomats visited only once in March 2018 and didn't see the high-containment lab. The State Department declined to clarify. We've been told the World Health Organization will not be investigating the Wuhan lab as a possible source of the virus. Well, still ahead a
1: high-flying Vernon teenager she's not even 16 years old but she's sure making the most of her covid summer also
2: coming up in sports what the Canucks need to do to beat the blues you're watching global news hour at 6. The historic glasses sent to an auctioneer through the mail who they originally belonged to and how much they could go for coming up right after Christie's forecast.
1: I hope they were in a padded envelope and marked fragile. <laughs> it,
2: it was very strange mm-hmm. how they arrived.
1: All right, uh, meteorologist Christy Gordon is here with a look at that forecast. Well, that's lovely, Christy.
9: Yes, great uh, video from Surrey Michael sending us this one and I love it because obviously it shows the hummingbird um, getting some food from a honeysuckle but the key is that it's so neat to see how hummingbirds fly, their wings actually don't bend whereas most uh, uh, birds bend at the elbow and then also it swivels at the shoulder and that's what helps it uh, hover and have that more of a figure eight motion when it uh, uh, uses its wings. Just a little tidbit for you. I love hummingbirds for that reason. All right. It was beautiful today. Yes, we saw some cloud cover in the morning and temperatures were near seasonal, but no rain. And we have no rain in the forecast. So it is really important that we stay vigilant over the next little while because temperatures are going to soar. So near seasonal values are expected for the next few days. But as we approach the weekend, that's when we're going to see big heat, not only here across the south coast, but in the interior regions as well. So we're talking about low to mid 30s. And as I mentioned, no rain in the forecast as far as we can see. So here's the fire danger rating. Thankfully, because of the rainfall that we saw late last week, we are not too bad. We're at moderate to high, but really quickly, that's going to change. And especially this week and into the weekend, we're going to see that. Here's your forecast for tomorrow. So near seasonal values, as I mentioned, a risk of thunderstorms through the Caribou, Central Interior and Columbia region. But most areas will see just a bit of cloud cover tomorrow, especially for the South Coast in the morning, but mainly sunny in the afternoon and highs ranging from about 21 to 26 degrees. And we'll see those temperatures right through Friday before we really heat up over the weekend. So nice and comfortable for the next few days. And I'll leave you with your central windows, weather window. A great shot looking out, uh, leaving Bowen Island. Rafael Debski sending us that one. Great shot looking out over mm. the water there. Looks so
1: peaceful. Thanks, Christy. A lot of
2: water. Love that. Thank you. Well, a pair of eyeglasses believed to have once belonged to Mahatma Gandhi are being auctioned off.
1: The gold-plated, circular-rimmed spectacles are going under the hammer at East Bristol auctions later this month. According to the auctioneers, Gandhi was known for giving away his old or unwanted pairs to those in need or those who had helped him. The seller's uncle was working for British Petroleum in South Africa and met Gandhi when the independence leader and champion of nonviolent resistance was taking a tour. Auctioneers compared the custom shaped nose bridge to others known to have belonged to Gandhi in determining their authenticity.
4: We discovered that they are a very important historical find. Uh, I phoned the gentleman back, who, who, in his exact words, were um, if they're no good, just throw them away. Um, I told him I thought they were £15,000, and I think he nearly fell off of his
2: chair. Wow. What a find. Mm. We are. Uh, we're hoping for non-violence in the uh, playoffs, but it is going to get rough. I think against the Blues. Would you agree, Squire?
17: Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> It'll be rough. The Blues play that kind of hockey, and you know what? The Canucks just went through that with the Minnesota Wild. So they will start Wednesday night. And Vancouver actually had pretty good success this season against St. Louis.
6: You know, I think our group got excited to play against good teams last year. We showed that we could we could play with a lot of good teams.
17: Canucks won two of three against the chance, but this series is going to be a lot different in the regular season. And later,
2: summer school, a 15-year-old with what might be the best view of the Okanagan.
1: All right,
17: Squire. Yes. Canucks Nation. Yes. Getting ready. Yes, they live to play another series. Um, And the Canucks have another full day to get ready for the official start of the playoffs even though the minnesota series was a series and the stats count as playoff stats individually for the players technically it was not a playoff series the one against st louis which starts wednesday night in edmonton is a real playoff series best of seven not best of five this time and it's the first one the canucks have been in Since Willy Desjardins' first year with Vancouver in 2015, it's not the first time, though, Vancouver has played St. Louis in the playoffs. I think it's happened three times before, and every time the Canucks have won. 1995, 2003, 2009. But the Blues team they're going to play in this series coming up is not like any Blues team they played in the past. On the surface, facing the defending Stanley Cup champions in a best-of-seven, would seem precisely what the Canucks don't want. But before the pandemic pause, Vancouver actually beat St. Louis two of three times. Once in regulation, once in a shootout, and the only game they lost to the Blues was in overtime with the most bizarre OT goal ever. Three on none. So despite the stick break, actually not a bad record against the champs.
6: Um, I think it's always something to dwell on, uh... You know, I'm imagining that St. Louis had a lot of teams play them very tough. Uh, I thought we played fairly well against them. Um, And, you know, I think our group got excited to play against good teams last year. We showed that we could could play with a lot of good teams.
17: Forget that the Blues did not win a game in the round-robin portion of the Stanley Cup tournament. That probably isn't a true indicator of where they're at. The team Vancouver will get in game number one... Will look more like the Blues we saw in last year's Stanley Cup run, a team that likes to play very physically.
13: You know, we have to establish, you know, our physicality right away. Um, we got to show them that, you know, this is going to be a hard series, and they're going to have to earn everything. And um, again, yeah, that's just it's just focusing on those little details and and getting, you know, playing to our our identity.
17: But in some ways, those four games against Minnesota were a bit of an education. For the Canucks, as to what St. Louis has in store for them,
6: the the previous series was a good warm-up for us, for sure. Uh, you know, Minnesota defends very well. They've got a deep set of forwards, and uh, you know, the hockey at this time of the year was very intense. And um, you know, your body had to get used to it. And I think that was good. It was a good test for our group. And this will be another one. There's no bigger test than playing the team that had just won the Stanley Cup. So uh, we're excited about it. Uh, We are a young team that hasn't had a lot of experience, but I can tell you we're not here to just play the games. We're here to win.
17: Okay, so there are the games the Canucks are playing to win, and it all starts uh, on Wednesday, August the 12th. They do have a back-to-back game between Game 3 and Game 4. The uh, final three games, if needed, they don't know the starting times for those just yet. Okay, today was lottery day, or the Alexis Lafreniere Derby for the eight teams who lost the play-in series. Edmonton, Toronto, Winnipeg, Pittsburgh, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, and the New York Rangers all had an equal 12.5% chance of winning the first pick in the draft this October. And the opportunity to pick the Quebec League scoring star, Alexis Lafreniere, who will more than likely be the first pick overall. So who won the bingo game? hosted by Gary Bettman. Who had the lucky ping pong ball? Let's find out.
16: The first selection in the 2020 NHL draft belongs to the New York Rangers.
17: And while you may think, oh, yeah, of course, New York wins, they actually haven't had first pick overall, I think, since 1965. Uh, Raptors and Bucks, this game's more for pride. The Bucks are going to be number one in the East, the Raptors number two, but Toronto playing well. Ronde Hollis Jefferson after the good D there against the Bucks, although the Bucks did not have Giannis in the lineup. He had oral surgery, so he didn't play. Chris Boucher, 25 points, to lead Toronto to yet another win in the bubble. There you go. Thank right. you very much, Squire.
1: Let's check in with Jada Rand for a look ahead to Global News at 11, J,
17: Thanks very much, Sophie. A Surrey rave has been added to the list of places where people may have been exposed to COVID-19. We'll speak with the organizer who says the risk was minimal. Plus, a number of Vancouver recreation facilities are set to reopen. We'll let you know which rinks and fitness centers you can access first and which ones you'll have to wait a bit longer for. Indoor pools will remain closed for now. We'll have those stories and a lot more when you join us tonight at 11. All right, thanks, JD.
2: All right, when we come back, a high-flying 15-year-old reaching her dream, that's next. Unlike many teenagers, the one you're about to meet is not desperate to get a driver's license.
1: Instead, Kenzie Houston is more interested in a pilot's license, and as Global Sydney Morton reports, she won't be denied. I keep going. 15-year-old
7: Kenzie Houston doesn't need a driver's license to explore the Okanagan. Is Since she was 13 years old, she has had her eye on the sky. Since then, she has logged about 65 hours in the air. And now, just a few days away from her 16th birthday, she is about to receive her recreational pilot's license.
9: So she went up for this flight, and when she landed... She was vibrating, and she was just like, this is what I want to do.
6: Seeing someone of Kenzie's age pursue it as hard as she did, and, and frankly, that's pretty rare. She qualifies for the private pilot license in many categories, but uh, because she doesn't have the age requirement, she can't take that flight test. But in terms of the actual flying skill and experience, uh, she could be a private pilot today.
7: Young flyers can train to get their student pilot permit when they are 14, can earn their recreational permit at 16, and their private pilot license at 17. And after her birthday on Thursday, Kenzie will be able to fly by herself during the day.
11: I like just being in the air. Just it's. It's really fun just sightseeing, even if you're not going very far.
9: And all of that hard
7: work is about to
9: pay off. Studies, I never have to ask her, she bikes down to the airport. Um, Now she's got a job, so she's paying for a lot of this herself, which is really amazing. And she has big plans for the minute that she gets that recreational
11: license. I'm really excited to take my mom flying because I've only ever gone flying with her with my dad before, so
7: very excited to take her by myself. The two of them reaching new heights together. Sydney Morton, Global News, Vernon. Very cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Smooth landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, last word on weather before we go, and there still looks like a lot more summer to go. Chris.
9: That's right. Summer's not done over, over just yet, that's for sure. So here's a look at the next little while. Certainly we're going to remain near seasonal, and we'll see some cloud cover, but over the weekend you are certainly going to feel the heat. So it looks like Saturday, Sunday, and Monday are going to be pretty hot. So if you like the heat, that's your weekend. If you don't like the heat the next few (laughs) days, you're in luck. Let's go on the weekends. Mm -hmm. We'll take it. Thanks, Christy. That's all the time we have. Have a good night, everyone.
2: See you tomorrow.